Hello. Welcome. Thank you. To Magical Theory <laughs> Podcast Time. It's Magical Theory Podcast Time. <laughs> it was almost Magical Theory Podcast Time about a minute ago. Yes. But I was messing the intro with, did not play. I no, I messed with the buttons and then I hit the wrong button and it went to our face. Clicking buttons, mm. taking names. Uh, yes, the wand was not prepared. I did not have my wand or my <laughs> technology ready. My my magical phone. <laughs> ah, yes. This phone setup is quite nice. Yeah. So it connects to, what, Streamlabs? And it allows you to control things that you would otherwise... Like, it's on the computer, but it's connected... What is it, by Bluetooth? Oh, it's connected through... It's like... Wi-Fi. We have to be on the same Wi-Fi network. Ah, okay. So it does that. I don't know. Well, yeah. So uh, hmm. regular streamers have usually buy equipment that are that's like the sound deck, and I have my app. That is why I always like. I'm like, oh, I can't switch with the scene. <laughs> if you're listening to this and you've never seen us live, you're probably like, what are you talking about? That's what I do. <laughs> is I push a bunch of buttons, and sometimes it doesn't go well. Mm-hmm. But we're here. We're here. No, you nailed it. It's almost the end of January. Well, yeah. There's still a whole week left. Well, okay. So we're taking a week off next week for Magical Theory because it is the end of Harry Potter Wizards Unite and there are other activities going on, but we'll be back in February, which if you're not listening to this in January 2022, then I guess it doesn't matter. Uh, Hello. Welcome to the past. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's always the past. It was always it's, it's the past. It's always the past, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it is an, uh, a melancholy week of the end of Wizard Unite, uh, one of the staples of the Wizard PhD community. Yeah, if you, don't, if you aren't familiar with Harry Potter Wizards Unite, it's a mobile augmented reality game made by Niantic and WB Games where you are a member of the Statute of Secrecy Task Force, and you were recruited as a volunteer to combat a calamity that has impacted the wizarding world and is risking exposure of the wizarding world because there are just memories of foundables, just different scenes of people, places, and things from the wizarding world just out and about, and your job is to use magic to make them go back and, like, get out of here, you know, back to your time and place. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. It's been yeah. over two and a half years now, mm-hmm. or just about two. Yeah, over two and a half years now. And I think it's uh, sad to be ending, but there's a lot of journeys left to happen, which is fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, you know, it has a good game. It was a good story, I think. Lynette, you probably oh, have goodness. some plans for trying to communicate that story to people who have never played the game. Yeah. So that they can understand how it fits into, you know, the Harry Potter lore and what it One what day it all I will. Yeah. <laughs> I have mentioned Constance Pickering, I think, a couple times on this podcast without any context. So um, Yeah, oh yeah. She is oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably my favorite character <laughs> that's like a I yes. don't I don't even know how to describe her. Like out like new character. Obviously, I love Hermione. I have some things to say about Hermione hmm. in this chapter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just to express my love for Hermione. Uh-huh. I'm a Hermione yes. stan. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Oh, yes. Should we get into it, then? Yeah, let's get into right. it. One's, One's ready. ready. Upside down. 
Turn to page 288, The Weighing of the Wands. Today's lesson is called Unshared Burden. The chapter begins with Harry remembering the night before, ready to convince Ron. Ron is gone, so Harry reluctantly plans to go to breakfast alone. Mm. Hermione meets him at the door with toast, however, saving him the embarrassment. She believes Harry did not put his name in the goblet and encourages him to write Sirius. Mm-hmm. Harry does, and Hedwig ignores him because he chooses a less conspicuous owl. <laughs> Classes are terrible, as are the hallways, and everywhere in Hogwarts, as Harry is accosted from almost all sides. Hagrid also believes Harry, but Snape and Slytherins terrorize him worse than usual. Colin Creevy arrives with a respite midway through potions that Harry is meant to have his wand weighed for the tournament. When Harry arrives, Rita Skeeter conducts an ethics-free interview of Harry. The wands are weighed by Ollivander himself, and the champions have their photos taken. When Harry finally returns, there is a response from Sirius as the tournament is set to begin. An ethics-free interview? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Well, we'll get to Rita in a second. Okay, because I would talk about her the whole time. (laughs) Okay, so this is like not really, I mean, this is kind of more um, stepping back as a reader. Mm -hmm. Um, I really enjoy when there are letters in the text of the book, like even from the very beginning where it's like, welcome to Hogwarts. from Sirius? No, just any sort of letter where you're reading it and it's like, this is a letter. And part of this is such a silly reason. I'm a very slow reader. And so I very much enjoy dialogue heavy or like something where it's like indented and it's like a contained thing because it makes me feel like I'm reading faster and I'm accomplishing something towards my goal. So that's just a very minor thing that I like. I like having that break where it's like, it. I don't know, it feels kind of like a, oh, this little section, like go and read through it and then you're in the next part. Anyway, but that's not why I wanted to bring it up. But okay. it's a perspective that's not quite dialogue because you don't talk to people like mm. you do in writing. Like when you're mm. writing them a letter, it's not just casual conversation where it's dialogic back and forth. Um, but uh, it's it does give sort of like another, it's like another mode of communication that for us to kind of understand what's happening. Because even in dialogue, you have choices. Like it, thinking from Harry's perspective in his head, like last chapter, he didn't, tell ron like mm-hmm. what he was actually thinking and then similar in the process of writing a letter like you're very you choose your words and like you have that time yes and there's something that. interesting in a book like this too because often a letter is read in real time by just one person mm-hmm. and the, the the writer is not present usually yes. right most, yeah. almost all the time mm-hmm And that's what happens here, right? So we get like Harry's reaction to the words as if Sirius is saying it to him or whatever letter you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And then like, but you, as you mentioned, the the writer had to sort of, they knew they were writing a letter. Yeah, yeah. So it has a different tone and pace. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's kind of interesting for sure. So I I like the letters in here. Um, Also. Yes. Everyone hates Harry again. <laughs> oh man, this is the worst it's ever been. I mean, I, feel I so guess bad. Chamber of Secrets was pretty bad. Yeah, 
I because um, he was being accused really of something much worse than uh, this yeah. one. Okay, so in that section, Harry's talking about the Hufflepuffs, and he's like, "Oh, they Justin. normally, yeah." So he brings up both Ernie McMillan and Justin Finch Bletchley, and I'm like, "Dude, Ernie was the one who spread a rumor that you were the heir of Slytherin." And Justin, well, you dueled him in class and tried to say, well, it, technically that was Draco's fault, but he started speaking parcel tongue and everyone freaked out. Yes. Like, how are those two people, the people well, that do, you are most yes. like? So I agree in general. We do know, I guess, that Justin like really manned up and apologized. That's in true. Book two, where Maybe he, like, came those up to were him the and bonding. was like, I'm sorry. I know memories. it's not you. You would never hurt Hermione. I think is yeah. when it happens. It's like I know you wouldn't have done but something to Hermione. Here is the parallel here, though. Like Harry. Okay, this is I'm because I've been thinking <clears throat> about Ron, and yes, I am frustrated and disappointed that he's not being friendly with Harry anymore. Yeah. But like, Harry's not going around gloating about it. He's not. He's literally saying like his whole thing is like I don't know what is happening. Like it's not like this... he's a good like liar. He's not Draco. He's not like conniving. This, this is, is a you know? really great Ron in particular is a really great example of pride. What mm. a form of pride that I think we are all really familiar with, which is when you know. You have sort of put your flag in the ground, mm -hmm. and then you know you're wrong. Yeah, yeah. And you're just not able to... That's absolutely in character for Ron. It's in character it. for everybody. <laughs> I mean, literally, like, I know almost nobody who can relinquish being wrong as far as its effect on their ego, like, super quickly. Mm. And... Yes, I think like this is particularly egregious because it's like, well, do you? <laughs> yeah, because Hermione is probably saying to Ron, like, you know, you just feel this way because you have all these brothers, like the same exact thing that she says to Harry Hermione. to try to make sense She's of it She's just all. trying to make like, come on, this is what's happening. And Harry's just like, blah, blah, blah. You tell Ron. And she's just like, oh, my gosh. But once Ron accuses Harry. That is like that's a stake of ego to me. Like he, it's almost like a wager of part of her, of Ron's ego to be like Harry. Like I know this about you. You did this. Why? How can you not tell me? You're betraying me and all this. And like you see the layering of the sort of accusations and things that if if the base one isn't true that mm -hmm. Harry did not put his name in the fire, mm -hmm. then like all the rest aren't true, and you have to walk them all back. And it's extremely difficult. It's extremely difficult to do it, right? I mean, like it, it it's uh which is just a reason. It's not like an excuse for Ron, but it's a sort of a explanation for how weird he is acting, right? Yeah. You don't like it still. Yeah. I don't like it. Uh Harry also has a very he's I feel like we've talked about this before. When was the other time? There was another moment I remember. Harry has been like when he has like dark thoughts. Or maybe it's in this book. Was it in a previous chapter? For no, what? what? Maybe it was, uh, it was uh, serious. Where we are in Harry's like inner thoughts, but he's like clearly thinking darkly. Like it's described as hmm. he's. Because he wasn't thinking, sure if he exactly. wanted to fight him or to talk to him. Well, there's a couple things. There's um, Hermione talking to Harry. I don't remember the context of the conversation at this moment, but 
Um, oh, it was because he can't, he couldn't do the summoning charm. And Hermione's like, it's really simple as she's just like, like bringing things everywhere. And uh, she's like, you just need to concentrate in or something like that or not be distracted. Or I don't remember. And he's just like, wonder why that was. And it, it, like it's described as said Harry darkly as mm. Cedric Diggory walked past surrounded by a large group of simpering girls. And it's just like. Simps. I I know. I, so actually, I looked that up, and I was like, "Is is this the like origin?" Well, apparently, it's not. I didn't find anything for that specific word. I found it for simpleton, and then I found like a context, like with regards to rap music, but not the exact word simpering. But I feel like it fits. That's my. I feel like it's it all does. part of the same. I'm not sure I've ever things. heard of the word simpering until this. I know chapter. when I when I looked at it, I was like, "Oh my gosh, look at that word." Whimpering. Whimpering. Simple. Simple. Simpering. Yep. That's how names that's how words are made up. Uh, yeah. Speaking of words, mm -hmm. we have um <laughs> uh Draco and Harry dueling. Fernunculus. Just, why? Why? Yeah, Fernunculus. Did you know that furuncle is another term for a boil? For uncle, yes, not I, uncle. I think so. Uncle. I've heard of it. Yeah. I've yeah. So that's this in in terms of etymology of uh, spells in the wizarding world. And oh yeah, no, she does that a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And that the boil word for uncle is derived from the Latin word furunculus, which means petty thief, which is a little like I don't know how boil. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> there's some idiom that, in there, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, yes. Uh, mm. And then, hold on, uh, mm. Dinsagio. Mm -hmm. Is that what Malfoy cast That's back? the one with the teeth. Uh, where her So yeah, both of these, they kind of ricochet. One hits Goyle. Goyle gets Blast. the boils. <laughs> and then Hermione gets Goyle the Goyle boil. <laughs> yeah, the teeth. Oh, poor Hermione. It's cruel. So both of them are cruel. The incantation for that is derived from Dens. This is Latin again. Dens, which means tooth, and agio, which translates to increase or grow. Mm. So there you go. There's your spell etymology of the day, of the chapter. <laughs> Very interesting. Yeah, but she does do that a lot with like with names, with uh with spells, obviously. You know my mind right now. Mm. I went to like because I described those spells as cruel. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking They're like, hexes. oh, like there's something slightly less cruel, hexes, yes, hexes and curses, S slightly less cruel than like, or um, slightly less cruel is like stupefy, which is just a straightforward, like you're attempting to do something and just like knocks them out as opposed to like, mm. I don't know, pain causing spells. And yeah. I was, then I was thinking about like, I wonder if they're, Aurors have laws on what spells they can use <clears throat> or like should use it. Well, I would probably settings. opt for like a stronger spell than like just making someone's teeth grow. Maybe. Yes, yes, I don't yes, know. Yes. I mean, I guess you could distract well, them something... with like one of those spells and then you can take them out. Like, oh, all of a sudden your teeth are growing like past your face and you're just like, what's happening here? And then you. There's something really them. interesting that we will start learning about the way that spells work. I, I don't know that it always is this way, but it develops this way where um, they learn to cast without speaking. Mm. 
in like book five and six, six, I think. I don't know. And it's right around the time when there's the legilimens and occlumency conversations going on. And there's a lot going on in terms of defense where like if somebody, if you know the spell, the counter is like more obvious. It's not like Protego is a protect all, protect against everything type spell or something like that. Mm, There's like mm -hmm. ways to defend against specific spells because it's somewhat similar. Like when we see, Dumbledore and Voldemort duel in at least in the movies it's like there's something even though they don't speak that actually gives them a bit of an advantage but then once you see the spell you can like do specific things to counter it yeah. so I it's guess it's not that, just counter spell over yeah. and over <laughs> not, not just counter spell yeah. and protego yeah yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah well with the the teeth thing because this is this is all supposed to be a double booked potions class. Yep. So Snape comes in and he's just like, okay, okay, what's going on here? Blah blah blah. Draco lies per usual and mm -hmm. is like, Harry Potter attacked me. Okay, sure, sure, sure. And then and then Ron steps up and is like, look at what he did to Hermione and poor little Hermione. And then Snape has the audacity to say that he doesn't Snape is a dick. know. Yes, absolutely. I was. So upset. You nobody, nobody should be mean to Hermione because she's <laughs> Hermione. And <laughs> but also like she's always so sweet. Yeah. She's nice. She's good. Uh I'm sorry, Snape. Hermione is the only student who wants to offer anything from your questions or whole class discussions. Do you know how yeah, difficult? Yeah, but Snape is the kind of teacher that asks questions but doesn't want them to be answered. He wants True. to answer them himself. But do you know how difficult it is to, you know how difficult it is to get anyone to talk in whole class discussions? If you're yes. a teacher, you know. <laughs> you know. So, you know, not just, the teachers like Hermione, so not just because Snape she's correct. Lesson planning? No, uh, he, doesn't. he doesn't. He just comes it's in and he's just like, direct instruction all blah, day, blah. every day. But teachers like Hermione, not just because she's, it's not because she's accurate, it's because she participates. PSA to everyone. Participation is why people like you. Know it all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she's not a know it all though. No, she's I not know. like she's just trying she's just trying her best. She no, she's participate. actually participating in the way that schools say mm. they want people to participate in. But And then I, Snape's like I hate this. I hate yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, Snape just is the worst. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, so it that was that was a terrible moment. So but She's in the hospital wing. I did I did like look up as I was looking up the spell stuff. I I saw like what's coming with the uh, with her teeth. Mm. Oh, we'll get, yeah. We'll get there. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. A little plastic she's surgery. Just, she's just so sweet. I love mm -hmm. Hermione. Um and then another moment where where Harry has his his darkness creeping in. Um Hello, my quote that I wrote down. Harry sat there, staring at Snape as the lesson began, picturing horrific things happening to him. If only he knew how to do the Cruciatus Curse. <laughs> Though to be fair, like this is just like some teenage kid's mind. They had, okay, Thanks. this is Moody's fault, fake Moody's fault for teaching them the unforgivable curses or demonstrating the unforgivable curses. Now it's just in their heads, being like, okay. Well, if only. it's interesting because we have practical questions about thought mm. and thought policing. Yeah. And it's really interesting because you could look at somebody like Harry thinking that mm -hmm. 
And like, is that a straight line from that to the action? Yeah. And does the, if the action needs to be prevented, is that evidence of need that prevention is called for? Uh, it's an interesting sort of, because I think we know in this case, like Harry doesn't Cruciatus Snape even when he learns the spell. Mm. However, like it's still. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the dilemma, right? Well, part of, I think when people get concerned about that, because this kind of ties back to like why um, why there there is an idea that you shouldn't teach dark arts because you shouldn't even expose, or like anything that's bad because you shouldn't expose children to ideas that are, uh, you shouldn't engage at all in any sort of circumstance mm-hmm. with things that are quote unquote dangerous uh, or potentially dangerous or whatever whatever it is, like thinking of like it's a... Mm-hmm. causation effect of something like that yeah and but harry just got through dueling it with ridiculous spells like so i think the idea behind it is like what is the what is the instinct that your mind goes to even though it doesn't seem like it's necessarily something that can be controlled which is another piece of like it and it doesn't really account for the fact that people can engage critically or thoughtfully or meaningfully with things that without acting upon them or just by like trying to make uh, sense of and that's process. the key i think yeah which is like a lot of people think as you rightly brings up sex education mm-hmm. that if you don't that it that if you lend the official or formal weight to a topic mm-hmm. and discuss it openly and honestly that somehow that's worse than not discussing it at all in mm-hmm. a formal setting. Mm-hmm. That like somehow that you're putting the weight of like a K-12 school behind something like that, mm-hmm. ideas and discussion. I think we know as, I think we know as a fact <laughs> that people have these sorts of thoughts regardless yeah. of whether you do it formally or not. And so if you if you actually openly talk about things, then you're going to, put people in a better spot because it's if it's true you know if the discussion is true yeah so my even though okay so fake moody is not a real teacher at this school (laughs) foodie is not (laughs) barty crouch jr is not because the thing with the i would be fine with the unforgivable curses being a topic in hogwarts if you're talking and we've we've discussed this previously if you're talking about ethics and morality of like what is why is it that these are unforgivable? But yes. that is not the discussion. No. It's like, oh, you need to know about this so you can defend yourself because yes, there are evil wizards that are gonna use this against right, you. Like right, there's right, it's right. it's like right. all over all the way around the circle of the actual core of what why is it that it's mm-hmm. something interesting to to process and think about rather than saying there is good and evil and it's just a fact, but like exploring it from a more philosophical perspective in terms of like coming i mean we we are our phds are in education so like the process of coming to know like it's a process it's not something that you can just pass down and say this is why and i think we have a lot of real life examples where this might be relevant i think any type of martial art Mm. but also self-defense classes and also firearms training where it is enhanced significantly if it is uh if the practical training of use and like learning martial arts for example 
is combined with understanding the role of violence and how to avoid it and what what it actually means mm-hmm. psychologically um mm-hmm. i think it's a really interesting piece of education we do almost none of it in k12 right i mean there's no space the way the curriculum is designed often is it's bloated beyond capacity already just by trying to get through technical concepts Mm -hmm. as opposed to ever providing space for like what is math and why do you use it why might you not use it in certain settings what does it contribute to the larger you know relevancy discussions of like how how do you process the world and understand makes Mm -hmm. sense Mm -hmm. um it's more just like here's the next skill to to add to the the list the bulleted list yeah yeah but I don't know. Do we ask too much? No, we don't <laughs> ask too much. No, most people ask too little. Is what is true. Yeah, it, it's a. Uh, it's harder to prepare people to. It's harder to conduct real classroom conversations that get into the type of depth we're talking about. On yeah. these topics, it's much, much, much easier to just do a bunch of problems or write a bunch of essays or yeah. learn a bunch of facts. It's much easier. And so when it's a path of least resistance and it's also got the stamp of like, this is what we're expecting you to do, because a lot of policymakers are afraid and of assessment. the deeper conversations because they believe it belongs. Someone's and assessment. Yes. Yes. Thought. I don't know. There's a lot going on for sure. And I think it's not, we as educators, like it's really fun to read these books from that perspective at times. Mm-hmm. It's not the most fun perspective, it's, I can tell you that fun. much, but it's, it's like part a, of it where yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, this is kind of interesting because we know about theories of education and what the type of theories that a lot of the professors take on, right? And then Umbridge in book five will be such a an obvious case of like, oh, okay. Umbridge <laughs> you know. is a... <laughs> yes. Everyone is dangerous. All these kids are ticking time bombs. Don't teach them anything at all. Okay. So there was a... Uh, one of the contestants in the Tournament of Houses thing was like an Umbridge stand and loved Umbridge. I would love to yeah. ask him, why is Umbridge your favorite character? <laughs> Please tell me. <laughs> Please tell me. Help me ex- uh, understand. Oh, my God. Gosh. And, and he got he like got three Umbridge questions question. about Umbridge. Yeah, oh it was crazy. God. Oh my god. Uh, anyway, Umbridge is not my favorite character. <laughs> no, she's my least favorite character. Yeah. Um close second. Let's switch gears if it's to time. Yeah, yeah, it is time. I'm gonna go go ahead and t- okay. talk about her as I find the picture. Yeah, let me rant for a little bit longer about Rita Skeeter. Look at this. You see it, <laughs> kinda, yeah. How do I put it on the camera? There we go. That's pretty good. This is what she looks like in this book, which you can't really. I I guess I can zoom in. Maybe on Discord we can have a closer look. But she does not look uh, all dolled up like the movie. She she's a Rita's a special. Let me approach this in a different person. uh different way. So we've talked at some length about this concept of Russell uh oh shoot I just forgot Russell uh conjugates, conjugates yeah yes mm-hmm. which is this idea that 
as far as the dictionary is concerned, words are synonyms of each other. Okay. But when you introduce how they actually make people feel because of their use cases, they're not exactly synonyms. They actually cause different emotional reactions. Mm -hmm. I don't have a great example off the top of my head. Uh, but let this is just a random one, but like the words found and the word discover. Yeah. Find and discover feel differently, even though they're synonyms. Yes. Like, um, it does related. So there's a lot of examples and there's a sort of approach, I think to language that looks at like the use that like it's connected to hyperbole. It's connected to propaganda. It's connected to persuasion in general rhetoric. Mm-hmm. And the use of particular words in particular times to make people feel differently. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about it when I was uh, looking at what the quick quote quill was writing. Yeah. First of all, the quick quotes quill, uh, you you put it in your mouth. Yeah, I know. Which I, I, I did know. not realize. Maybe she just does that for fun. No, she I, do I, that I in the no, movie? no, she, she like- doesn't. I But I think it's. It's an indication that it's taking on her voice. I know. Yeah. Like, it makes perfect sense. When when I read it, I was like, oh, that's how that magical object It's like works. bot. It's sense. a bot. It's a bot? It's a bot. I was thinking about bots as well, of like, you can script a bot. Okay. And like, have the bot respond instead of an actual person. Oh, yeah, 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 and, yeah. And like, so you can script it to sound certain ways. So like, yeah, because I was imagining that, so she did the thing and she said, Rita Skeeter, Daily Prophet, whatever. Like, I imagined that was the trigger yeah. to like put that in it's a test. to test. And because mm. so, she tore off the parchment and was just like, all right, seems it's good. It's working. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And the quill is what made me think of the Russell conjugates because it's uh, related yeah, yeah, yeah. to like the use of adjectives, I think, is the biggest case for Russell conjugates. You're you're thinking about what adjective to put. I mean, I used it. My example was a verb. But yeah, yeah. Adjectives are more common in this use where like you can use more extreme adjectives that technically mean the same thing. Mm-hmm. And and also you can embellish significantly because yeah. verbs don't need adjectives. That's one important thing to say. Yeah. And you can tell the difference between what she says and what Harry says and what is written is generally that it's just a bunch of adjectives get added. Yeah. What's interesting is that so... Uh, I'm thinking about si- like how you can use cinnamon, c- synonyms in Tasty, yummy different ways. So like I like synonyms for words because I like precision. Yes. So I like this is why like sometimes when I, I'm like searching for a particular word because I want the precise communicative yes. aspect. You want to say it. what you mean. Yes. Yes. And you can also use synonyms in a way that is not that. It's like yes. embellishing. It's like yes. making it not pre- the opposite of precision which yes. i mean maybe not the opposite but in a an inflammatory way sort of yes. that is yes. yeah so that's that's what i what you made me think of as we're thinking about synonyms and well and it, this is a major major theme and i hadn't ever really thought about it in pre- prior reads but that's the joy of the podcast like a major mm-hmm. theme for me in these books is the relationship to truth Mm-mm. what are people's relationships to the truth how much do they exaggerate or lie mm. compared to like, and I don't necessarily subscribe to capital T truths, mm-hmm. but I do think that there are bounds to what is true. Mm-hmm. Like things are more and less true. 
whether they converge on one thing or not together. I, I don't think so, but I because there's perspectives. But I think that there's people can have different perspectives, but then any perspective can be exaggerated or lied about. Mm -hmm. And therefore, like that's where to me where the boundary is very rigid in my personal worldview, which is like you you can't what the quick quotes quill is doing is wrong. You can't do this type of thing. And especially you can't market it as journalism, which is a whole nother bucket of issues. But I yeah. we see Harry is not crying. Yeah, no, he is. So you can't say there crying. are tears in his eyes, right? <laughs> that that uh, paints the whole picture differently. Whether or not he's crying paints the whole thing differently. Yeah. Well, so you're okay. This is a weird like my mind jumped to thinking about um, research and claims and like data and stuff like that. And so part of like different paradigms of like. Um, you know, what, what is like what, or what is true. You have like observational. So like we can see things or things that are related to your senses. And then for things where, especially in education research, where you can't really see the learning that's happening in your brain, you can't see your thoughts in your brain. So you have to rely on what people tell you. Mm. And so like with both of those like categories of evidence, like there is no evidence that backs up what she said. Like he didn't yes. say that he like felt some kind of way right. about his parents or And whatever. it'll only be hearsay. Yeah. So this is where something that I always bumped on in the movies is that she insists on saying he's 12 years old. That doesn't make sense. That's not who she is. She would never do something that is so easily traceable to fact. Mm. Now, I feel differently now. I think people do this a lot. Mm. But this is, that would be, extreme propaganda and brainwashing to think that Harry Potter is a different age than he is because you know when Voldemort fell. Everybody knows this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the whole point of him being famous. That's mm. why I always bumped on that. And she doesn't do it in the book, at well, least that, as far as I could tell. You know, I wonder if in part that's why she like took him into the broom closet and then like nobody's there to say yeah, oh, like yes. whether or yes, not yes, yes, yes. he's crying or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then oh, yeah. she like packs it up when Dumbledore walks in, which yes. Dumbledore, ha you know, it's it's not just that she writes for the Daily Prophet. She also writes books mm -hmm. about people. The life and lives of Albus Dumbledore. Yep, yep. Oh, apparently she has away. she has three gold teeth, which yeah. I wish I wish we would have yeah, seen in the movie that was as well. Funny. <laughs> Probably from sucking on the quill. Oh my gosh! Get ink on your teeth <laughs> can't be good. Yeah. This is our. This, wait, did we meet her already? I. No, we just heard her write about don't... Moody. We heard her write about Moody. Okay. So we read her an article. Yeah, because I yes, feel like well, Harry book. didn't recognize her, right? Um, because it was just described as like whatever the velvet robe. Can't believe she was in Wizards Unite. Anyway, she was for fan for fest. fan fest. So we have. Uh, I have one more thing, and mm. it's just that uh, Sirius writes back. Yep. And what what made me laugh out loud was that he was like, "Well, I can't say much because this letter might be intercepted." However. Here's an exact time and location for us to meet. Yeah. Uh, are you good? <laughs> like, but well, I don't know how else he would have communicated, um, like something like that. Well, there's always that paradox of like, in order that if you need more 
uh, discreet, mm-hmm. but you have to ask for it. Yeah. The way you're asking for Maybe, it must not be discreet enough. Why don't you have a coded language yeah. or like a well a, something to yes. decipher? Teach Harry some like I don't know. Uh, Caesar ciphering. What are the other ones that we did? We, <laughs> speaking of Wizards Unite again, uh, we did those yeah, decoded messages. Yes, we did. Oh my gosh, I mm-hmm. can't remember all of them. It, that was a fun time, though. It was. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. All set. Yeah, I'm. I'm all okay. set. All right. Until, Until next, next time. time. Fun's ready. ready.